everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all-important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. The root of this work is loving yourself Mm. enough to know your truth yeah, and to know what you can do and what's going to serve everybody the best, right? Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Dana Cadwell. And I'm Jenna Parks. Courtney is taking a sabbatical this season to focus on her personal life and family. But as we know, the show must go on. Luckily, Courtney and I have been supported by a community of honorary sisters throughout our careers, and Jenna is one of them. So this season, Dana will be joined by a new honorary sister each episode, and I'm honored to be the first. And this year, we're talking with our guests about three important topics in the entrepreneurial journey. First one was team building work-life balance, and how to recover from tragedy, both in business and in life. Last week, we talked all about being a parent and an entrepreneur with Megan Ely, owner of OFD Consulting. So this week, the two of us are talking about the lessons we learned from Megan about business and life and some of the mistakes that we have made along the way. Well, that was a great episode with Megan. I love her. I loved getting the chance to see her again and have that great conversation. She's so full of energy and insights. I know. I knew she'd be a great guest just from like personal conversations. Like she's so intense about her job and so intense about her family. And I'm like, how do you do it all? And it's surprising when she said she got eight hours of sleep because she never, you send her email, you get an email back within like, I swear, 30 seconds, like every time. I'm like, do you just like live on your computer? How do you do that? Like she's so crazy organized. Yeah. Anyone who says that they get eight hours of sleep a night is my personal hero. I know. That's my forever goal. And dream. I feel that. (laughs) I get it more in the summer because we don't have to wake up to like seven as opposed to like 536 than we do in the school year, but still. Yeah. And we did touch on the Saturday morning sleep and I'm a big fan of that too. Me too. But I basically make up for all of my Mm -hmm. lack of sleep Mm -hmm. throughout the week on Friday and Saturday nights. Yes. Oh, well, what was your, we're going to jump in here. What was your favorite overall takeaway that she said or that we talked about? Uh, Well, the quote that I wrote down that is really coming to mind here is she said, even during your busiest times, you can still make time Mm. for yourself. I love that. And Mm -hmm. that is something I don't think I'm terrible at. I think I do make time for friends and family and exercise and the things, Mm -hmm. but I definitely don't always do it consistently. And I love that that really does seem to be part of her just being Mm -hmm. is that she lives by that. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I have a hard time with the exercise part. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that I hate doing my hair. Like I hate it. And so, and I like in the summertime I swim, that's that's my exercise is we have a pool. I know like and I just swim like laps, but I have a hard time like justifying like, okay, if I go swimming now, like uh, then I have to take a shower and then I have to like blow dry my hair and then do all this stuff. I can (laughs) relate to that one. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't want to do it, you know? And so you're like trying to organize your day or whatever, but 
last summer, I, and I started summer out the same way every single time. And then eventually I start swimming and I realize I love it. It's like, like clarity. It, I like, it just kind of calms me. And I realized I just, who, I don't care. My hair looks like crap most of the summer anyways. I just put in a ponytail and a clip because it's too hot. So why am I even caring about it? But yeah, I mean, we all feel, we know this again. Yes. We know yeah. all these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I make time for exercise, yes. I feel better. I work better. I'm more productive, but it is not always the easiest yeah. to, to fit it into a busy yeah. day. And it's such a lie we tell ourselves too. Like I think it was two years ago I realized and I think the world's coming around to it that the expectation is we're supposed to be efficient for eight hours a day, right? And that's just not true. Like we're really only efficient for like two or three hours a day, truly. Like super, we get yeah. you can get super hard tasks done, like very brain, like mind consuming tasks, like basically three hours a day. Like you can't do that for eight hours yeah. and like be a person at the end of it, right? And so it's like recognizing, okay, like I need to protect this time and make sure I'm doing something really productive during this time. And then all the other time around it, I'm making it so I can be productive the next day. So it's like cleaning out my inbox, cleaning off my desk, doing right. the filing, like all that stuff. They still have to do. Yeah. Right. Do you divvy your day out like that? I do. do you actually plan. These are my two focus hours. And yep. Because I, ha- I have to, because yeah. I feel like it's just like, and I have to tell my team that otherwise they'll like come in and like to my office and then I get, you know, sidetracked and derailed and all that stuff. So, oh yes, I can to that but I do love that. I think that it's a, it's a lie. I tell myself that I don't have time, that I'm too busy. I don't have time. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was I also really liked how we're, we started talking about exercise, but Megan specifically gave herself grace in that department mm-hmm. and said, mm-hmm. I, you know, I have my sleep. And she said, I mean, even if she wants to work out, that's mm-hmm. not always the thing that's able to happen, right. but she still is finding other ways yeah. to preserve her her boundaries yeah, and, and I know. her time. Yeah, that, that was great. Well, I really loved when she was talking about her story about how she became an entrepreneur and that she recognized this was like a place she didn't want to be a part of and like just the toxicity of where she was working. She made a comment. She said, it took a lot to build that life and I had no room to let that in, like that negativity and that kind of like feeling of that panicky feeling. And I don't have a similar situation at all, but I thought that was so powerful in general. When you think about it, like how you, all of us have constructed this life and we have let things in and taken things out based on our own personal traumas and experiences. And sometimes if you can feel yourself falling back into maybe a trauma cycle or, you know, whatnot. And just that powerful statement to say, like, I have built this and I'm not, there's no room for that anymore. Yeah. Like, I think is super strong. So strong. That's yeah. the word that I was on the tip of my tongue. Uh-huh. Just so powerful that she's, yeah. she's got that attitude and is able mm-hmm. to live by it. I, I love that too. And I, I did have a, a couple of jobs and I guess kind of, well, nonprofit mm-hmm. and then corporate world before I became well, we can call it an entrepreneur. I, I yeah. entered into, my mother was really the entrepreneur and I entered into her business and we ran it together, but I did the opposite. Yeah. I, I am the example of the person that did feel like it was too much mm. for me mm-hmm. when I became a mother and then became a single mother so quickly. I could have done it, you know, mm-hmm. I could have, but the opportunity presented itself to merge with another very like-minded, small family mm-hmm. business, mm-hmm. larger media group. And I took that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I absolutely am so happy that I did. 
<laughs> it was the best, but I, you know, now I admire the people who yeah. have stuck with the entrepreneur life. Yeah, but I think it's so brave to say that just because, and I think there is this um, mentality that if you if you go from being an entrepreneur to working for somebody, you failed in some way. But I think it's really brave and really powerful to say, you know what, this isn't serving my life right now. Yeah, and I am more happy, more fulfilled. And I still get to do all the things I love. I'm still creative. I still, in the industry, I'm still doing the things that like brought me joy, but I'm doing it in a way that's sustainable so I can like raise my daughter. Yeah. You know, because you don't have that third person, you know, you don't have that family meeting, right? Where, right. you know, that's hard. Yeah. I can't, I cannot imagine doing that by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, I, I do also have, I'm kind of spoiled <laughs> because even the this company that I'm with now mm -hmm. Like I said, it's a it's a family-run business. It's still small. There's about 25 people. So I I now have a lot more support on the wedding publication side, but it's also given me a chance to, you know, spread my wings and yeah. learn new skills. Yeah. Um, so that's actually helped me propel my career in a bigger way. And still so, your brand. Yeah, absolutely. It's still who yeah. you are. Like they haven't like bastardized it or anything. Absolutely. Like that. Yeah, which is they've great. given me a lot of of power in that capacity yeah, to to, awesome. to keep that control. So yeah, I feel a little spoiled. But still, you know, I have yeah. support now yeah. in ways that you know someone like Megan or you and Courtney do not. So yeah. Um, hats off to you guys. Well, thanks. Well, what was your favorite like business takeaway that she said that you feel like you could apply to like work and business life? Honestly. Uh, the thing that's that's standing out to me in this moment as we're chatting mm -hmm. is her relationships with with boundaries. Again, it's one of those things. It's it's like going to therapy. This mm -hmm. this whole thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we know these things, but being reminded of them is yeah. important. But I genuinely feel like she embodies it yeah. and is is true to her word when For she sure. says, "I." say no to things. I set these boundaries. I only take certain mm -hmm. meetings. I only take certain positions um, on boards that I can do. And if if I, I can't do it in this moment, mm -hmm. maybe it comes later. Right. Um, so I love that. I, I love that. As somebody who always wants to say yes, I know that is a huge standout to me. Yeah. I mean, totally same page boundaries for sure. And I loved it when she said it takes work to build a life with boundaries. And I feel like that, it's like you can change your mindset with that because I think so many times you say, okay, if I say no, I'm going to seem like, you know, you're not doing enough or whatever. Letting someone down. Right. But it actually takes work to build a life where you can say no. And it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of understanding who you are and what you can be successful at. And I really resonated with her story about being the root mom and how the one that, because she was telling me a story and I was like, and you're taught a lot of times, especially being on, you were on a board, you were on the NACE board for many years, mm -hmm. that volunteers are volunteers. Like right. you can't have, you can have expectations, but you can't have standards necessarily because they're volunteers. So they're doing the best they can. They're giving the most they can. And she was like, well, actually, no, like if you can't, give 100% as a volunteer, then just don't do it. Because what it's doing is it's creating so much work for everybody else and it's making it harder. To me, that's an, that's an out. That's yeah. me saying, you know what? Like I would love to be helpful. I'd love to go and be the room mom, but I know I'm not going to do it with fidelity and well because I don't have the ability and it's actually better and I'm serving 
that class better yeah. by saying no. Yeah. Right. Like but how power, like how freeing is that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think to the point of, well, all of this mm-hmm. combined, you know, the work to set boundaries, I think the root of this work is loving yourself mm. enough to know your truth yeah, and to know what you can do and what's going to serve everybody the best, right? That's so true. Loving yourself. I love that. I mean, because it's so hard to love yourself. It's the it's the lifelong journey. It's lifelong journey. <laughs> it really is. In every aspect, right? I was actually totally digressing into this conversation a little bit, but I was watching some TikTok or Reel, I don't know which one. And it was about why do people like our age, like I guess millennials, I don't know, what, whatever, um, struggle with body issues so much. And then they started putting up all these <laughs> pictures of like, what who the models were. And I was like, yeah, like, I mean, I'm a fit person, but like, I still like will not wear like a traditional, like two piece bathing suit. What? I know because I'm just like, cause in my mind, I don't have this perfect, like four pack abs, like, you know what I mean? And like the real, like how unrealistic is that? But that's what we were taught beauty was. Oh yeah. For so long. It is right? very easy to see. Why? Yes. Why we have that mindset? I know. I think I can still claim millennial. I think I'm technically a zenial. I'm like yeah. the oldest millennial there is. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> on the cusp. Yeah, right. But yeah, being in the magazine industry mm. too, I can really. I mean, even yeah. just in the years that I have worked on Heart of NC Weddings, the the priorities of who we are featuring mm. has changed, mm-hmm. and I had to wake up to the fact. I mean, I know I'm just a little local magazine, but I. I really enjoy taking ownership of, no, I can actually contribute to yeah. the representation by showing more more bodies and shapes yeah. in our publication. Yeah. But back in the day, that was not a thing. We went to the we went to the modeling agency for every single person that we were putting in a photo shoot. And that is not the case anymore. Yeah. And I think that it's like such a a glimpse into how much power and impact we have on our children like in that same way that the what we were modeled as kids is what the perfect body was what beauty was like we're modeling for our kids this is what a healthy life is yeah you know and it's I all think connected it's all connected like I think it's just it's so much of our so much of our job is to to show what it what the real world is right and so they have hopefully a, a healthy view on, you know, what it means to chase after your dream and be able to have family or not have a family, you know? I mean, that's also perfectly fine for everyone out there that doesn't want to have kids, but is shamed for that or shamed for working too hard or grinding too hard. And yeah, absolutely what I strive to do in my parenting. I feel like I do a lot better job on the social and the justice Mm -hmm. and the acceptance of everybody Mm -hmm. aspects more so than accepting my own self so true. and my own work life so and true. all the things. So this whole experience of talking to you two has been a great reminder of all these things. Yeah, because we're so hard on ourselves. So hard on ourselves. And I joke all the time that like, you know, you see me and, you're, and people people think I have it together and I don't actually have it together at all. Um, oh, there's I like, don't know about that. I'm like, I'm like, like 60% there. I have it together enough to do what I need to do. But there's like, the there is like roller coaster moments, sure, where you're just like, you know, in a pit and you're like, I can't get out of it or whatever. I joke all the time that like, I am actually, I'm not like an overly confident person. Like I'm very like self-deprecating. I'm always worried about failure. And I, and I really resonated when she was talking about how she felt there was an inequity between her and Travis, like that he was making all the money and she wasn't making any money. And so she felt like she had to do more and more, you know, to make up for like this inequity of things. 
And when we started, like that was for sure. I mean, I feel like I was just a financial drain on our family. And so I never protected my time, but I always protected Sam's time. He never asked me to do it. Right. And he never expected that. But I was so protective of his time that like I would sacrifice my time, my my business sometimes to be there for the kids more or whatever. Like I wouldn't ask them unless absolutely, absolutely had to ask them to do something. And it created a really, really tough few years for us because I resented the shit out of him. Right. <laughs> like I, naturally. Yes. And then even though it's not his fault. No. And so and then like when it came out, like we we had this like huge like come to Jesus. And he's like, I've never asked you to do that. I've never like made you feel guilty about that. I've never like any of that. Right. And it was really, it was me. Yeah. It was coming from me. And it was because I felt so worried about what I was doing. And I wasn't confident that what I was doing was right. Yeah. That I was felt like I was always making a mistake in every aspect of work Gosh, and parenting. I can so you know? I can so relate to to everything you're saying. Well, I don't have a partner in that way, but just the sure. the self doubt. Yeah, I can absolutely it's relate. Universal, yeah. And I wasn't trying to you know say that there's not wonderful men partners For sure. out there. Absolutely, there are, and I think way more so today mm-hmm. than than in the past. But it is. It's this. Because of the culture, because of the way we were brought up, mm-hmm. the culture we were raised in, where it was, oh my gosh, side note, yeah. Cece and I have been going through all these old sitcoms, you know, like oh, yeah. Full House and um, you know, Family Matters, um, Sister, Sister, all mm-hmm. the good ones. It's been yeah. so fun. But asterisk, they are all so sexist. Yes. So 100%. homophobic. Yes. So oh homophobic. Oh my goodness. And just like traditional family where the yeah. mother cooks all the meals yeah. and the father has to put his feet up and have a beer at the end of the day. Right. Maybe they don't show beer on that right. show. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were raised in, yes. and that's what we saw. Like it, it, just like the skinny bodies, like mm-hmm. that is what we saw. So we are putting a lot of this on mm-hmm. ourselves. And I do think that there's, great men out there who are being great partners, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, they need to maybe step up a little more and go sure. a little further out to let us know that we are just as important and our jobs are just as important. And I think what's super interesting is she, you know, she talked about having kind of like this family meeting and we we do something similar. Um, on Sunday nights, we go over the schedule and we kind of figure out who has to pick up who we go over what's necessary. And, and we, yes, for sure. Like he does his, share, I do my share, we kind of make sense, like kind of talk about what makes sense for what's going on in our, in work and whatnot. Uh, 90% of the time, probably more like a hundred percent of the time, I bring to the table all the information. Mm-hmm. It's not that he mm-hmm. can do, it's that he won't do it and he'll, right. and he'll remember it. He'll put it on his calendar. I don't have to remind him to do it, but I'm the one that knows it. Right. And so even though I'm offloading it and it, offloading is so helpful. Do not get me wrong. I am I am very, very, very grateful and very lucky for the partner I have. But I think the difference is, and I'm curious, I would be curious to what, what Megan, if that was her yeah. similar experience, that even as women, even if we have great partners, the expectation a lot of times is still that we carry all the information in our heads and we can disperse it, we can delegate it. And when you have a partner that can take that off, then you can, you can literally let that go. But you a lot of times you are the one that has to bring it to the table. Gosh, I do you know what I mean? I, I, yeah, it's I, I do. But what's coming to my head right now is why have women over 
the centuries been been boxed into we're not the natural leaders because we are. Because we are the natural leaders. We are. 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. And I think that's really like, and there was an experiment I did, I think a year or so ago. I think I talked about it on the podcast actually a couple of years ago, but I was overwhelmed and I had all this stuff. And I remember I just offloaded some things. I was like, I need, I told Sam, I was like, I need for you to take care of these two things. Like, I think it was getting the oil change in our car before a trip and making like a dentist appointment or something, right? And he said, sure, I'll do it. And so I just assumed it was getting done. Well, time comes on and it just, it didn't get done. And he's like, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. And eventually <laughs> I just made an appointment and he's like, why'd you do that? And I was like, cause you didn't do it. It didn't happen. He's like, I told you I was going to take care of it. And I was like, I know, but what you didn't understand and maybe I didn't, wasn't clear is that these things needed to happen by a certain time. Like the oil had to be changed before we get in a car to go to Florida for 600 miles. Right. Right which is in three days. So, and it's just like, so funny. and it, and it wasn't like he was being dismissive. It's just that they don't, I really genuinely think that men, boys are not taught to see whole pictures. Maybe it's not how their brain works. I don't know, but they don't see the whole picture all the time. They just see these pieces of it and they don't know how to connect it. And it's, and it's funny if I've ever seen a man, I shouldn't say some men, this is like very generalistic. I'm not trying to be that way, but like I watch Sam cook dinner, for example, right? Uh-huh. And um, I we use recipes a lot. So whenever I have a recipe, I like read it once through, understand the concept. I get all the ingredients out. I prep everything and then I read it, whatever. He's like doing it as he's reading it. So inevitably something gets missed every uh-huh. single time. I don't know. I can't really comment on that because <laughs> I am not the cook. <laughs> But it's like I wasn't when I was married and I never will be. (laughs) But it's like such a good analogy of it's like they try so hard and they do a good job. And what the product that they produce is good enough. Right. But when you have a woman doing it or female or someone whose brain is wired that way, and maybe we should just generalize it that way. There's people that think in a holistic way and people who don't. Right. They tend to carry all the weight. (laughs) <laughs> because they're because they think about it absolutely you know but I'm sure there's plenty of like single dads out there that are like killing it and oh, carrying sure. all the mental load and, and, and you know maybe maybe this upcoming generation is going to be I think different because think it really so. has so much to do with how we're how yes. we're raised and like all the things that we're talking about today what we're modeling yep. for our children mm-hmm. and even just the concept of of gender is shifting mm-hmm. right now I so I really think. Right that this upcoming generation could could be a whole a whole different ball game here. Well, yeah, because I mean, you think about how we were raised, like we, whenever we chores were split up, we always had the dishes, we always had the bathrooms, like my brother would have things like maybe vacuuming, like Mumble the- lawn or something. Yeah, like the easy stuff, like the stuff that didn't require attention to detail. Yeah, right. I mean, even today, I don't wanna, I don't wanna mow the lawn. That's I why I live in a townhouse. <laughs> I don't wanna do it either, and actually I don't. <laughs> Maybe uh, Cece will want to one maybe, day. Let's maybe. hope. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What was your best or your favorite personal takeaway? Oh, this one's easy for me. So when I asked the question about the teachable moment mm. that your child has given, and her answer was so different than mine. Her answer was, you know, my child has taught me that they are okay without me being present every single second. I can go travel and I can work hard on my business and and you know he gets the time with his dad during that time and and he's doing great and he has even assured her of that. Mm-hmm. So 
I love that that was her answer because my instinct is to be back to the guilt, mm-hmm. back to the, oh, Cece's noticing that I go to work after I put her to bed and she's noticing that I'm not getting enough rest. And it's all the self-deprecation right. and feeling so guilty that I've I've let that slip through and she has seen through my facade. So that to me was such a powerful, powerful answer. And I loved it. I know. And I, it's like something I just want to, so I totally, I feel like it's so true that like you worry so much about the things that, and kids, they don't worry about it. It's like, it goes back to even not to get political on anything, but like when they're talking about, um, everyone's upset about like, you know, they talk about genders in school or whatnot. And I remember Ada was in, I think fourth grade or something. And one of her friends, um, they, the very beginning of the school year, they had a conversation and they were like, um, you know, what are your pronouns? Because it's just because they had a friend that was a they, them. Mm-hmm. And so they all went around and said their pronouns. And, and I was like, oh, well, you know, what happened? She's like, nothing. She's like, we just said it. And then that's how we talk to each other. Like <laughs> that was the end of it. Right. There wasn't any questions about why this one person wanted to be a they, them. And in fact, there was one uh, boy in our class that we've known since like pre-K that he was gay. Like we've known it. Like it's very evident. And I was like, hey, and I asked the friends, like, what, what what pronouns did this person want to be? And she's like, a he, him? And I was just like, why? And she's like, he's he loves being a boy. He just likes other boys. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I and love it's it, just yeah. like, it's so natural to them. Like, yeah. And we worry about so much. Yeah. But the, the truth of it is kids are so much more perceptive, so much more wise. And they are so much, they are typically okay like when we worry about things yes. that we don't need to be worrying about all the time about them. However, it's presented to them. I mean, they they, they are little sponges, so it can it can be dangerous too. Mm-hmm. But they absolutely there's why would they judge? Why would they judge that? Right. Why would it, why should any of us? Yeah. But of course they don't. Right. And why would and the thing is, I think about it too is I bet you Megan, you know, when she and she said she would talk about it negatively, and he was just like, why? Because. I know that he could see his mom loving what she does. Right. Because I've seen her at a conference with him and how she interacts with people and the way he looks at her. And he's like, like, my mom is a badass. Oh, I love that. You know what I mean? And so for him, he's like, yeah, you're you're loving what you do. Like, you're amazing at what you do. Like, why wouldn't you love to? Like, we're fine. Yeah. All these things are taught. Judgment is taught. Mm-hmm. I guess oh, maybe so my true. guilt really does have to do with the fact that I'm judging myself and mm. I hope I hope she doesn't see that. Yeah. So, but Megan's answering was very inspiring in inspiring. that way. Do you have any moments with your kids where you like you know that they see you for mm. the badass you are? Some Adam more than Henry, yes. I mean Henry is like my sweet little like cherub child. He adores me like has forever, right? But he still kind of has those rose-colored glasses on a little bit. But Ada, it's been neat this year. And her kind of experience about how she her overheard um, Oliver talking about her, I've had that with her, with Ada. And just how she talks about me to her friends is like, she thinks my job is super cool. She thinks like I'm super cool, you know? So that's been... Oh, that's great. It's been great, yeah. Uh, I remember a few years ago, I have this little recording of Cece saying, I am going to be the first person in the family not to work for part of NC weddings. <laughs> and then a year or two later, now she's saying that she wants to. Yeah, of course. So I've been proud of that. That is awesome. <laughs> to build, to show them it's a life that is 
that is worth building. Yeah. 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 I think it's really neat. Absolutely. Well, my favorite personal takeaway is actually what you said when I was talking about my story about Henry and you said to take power, like take power of it basically and be kind to yourself. I think that's such great advice. I'm so glad. I mean, it is. It's That's a really hard thing to recognize and have to, you know, forgive yourself and give grace for. Yeah. Because, oh man, and I've been there too. Absolutely. Like I don't, I certainly am not always present. Right. Despite years and years of work. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm always working on it, but you know, you always have to because it's our instinct in the world and the culture and all the, all the stimulation around us is constantly pulling us away from the present. Mm -hmm. So it is a natural thing. Like it it happened. Mm -hmm. But it really, it's, I'm so sorry. I mean, it, it sucks. <laughs> it does suck. It but I, I think it's, I love the advice because I think when you have these moments of where you have that regret and even if I can forgive myself for it, because I think I, I can forgive myself for it because I don't want to live in a place where I can't recognize that there was some beauty that came out of it. But taking power over that those memories and over those emotions and and letting it be for what it was and and being able to say like, yes, like this was hard. It was traumatic. It was sad. But at the end of the day, it's part of exactly right. Like it's part of like who I am as a mom, you yeah. know? And it's part of your, yeah, your journey in right. motherhood. Right. Uh, I can, I guess, add a little bit to what I was saying. Like when, when Cece was an infant, I got divorced mm-hmm. when she was only a few months old. So... I am well aware of the fact that kids pick up on energy mm-hmm. and I know she had to have picked up on my just I was a wreck. Yeah. Crying all the time, like fully depressed and in some ways I'm grateful that that happened before she has full memories, but I also have a a bit of guilt because I feel like she must have like some of that had to have seeped into her being too. Yeah. Um and even through the years like I've had very depressed times mm-hmm. and yeah, same. you know she's she's witnessed them and I do think it's important to just like be honest and talk to your kids about that and say yeah we're sad sometimes yeah I'm working on it I know and you make me happy yeah right I know <laughs> yeah. I totally agree I think there's this and I love this new age of parenting where it's transparency with our kids because yeah. our parents never were real yeah. with us and and there were so many times you look back and you know you talk about childhood trauma and there was a point when I realized they actually knew shit. Like not in a negative way, but just like how I feel like when every stage of life, you're like, I don't know what to do. You can read a book, you can ask a friend, but at the end of the day, you're winging it Yeah, a lot. They were the same way. Of course. But I was told that in the way that they interacted with me was that they knew what they were doing, Yeah, that they were right, you know? And so being a parent and saying like, the kids will call me out on something and I'm like, yeah, it's probably right. Like, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's like, because I don't want to, I don't want them to feel like I know everything because I'm a human and I'm going to make mistakes. And I want them to give me the grace, you know. Absolutely. To make a mistake because I'm not going to get it right all the time. And it serves them well to be listened to yeah. and their opinion mm-hmm. respected yep. as well. I think my parents did a pretty good job with that. But absolutely, my perception of my parents at the age that I am at now, mm-hmm. 
I don't feel like I thought they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I right. feel like I still don't know what I'm doing. And yeah, like you said, I'm winging it every day. And I guess they were too. But yeah. in my yeah, in my head, they just, they had it all. They had all the answers. I know. Yeah. They were such grown-ups. I know. Uh, okay. So we love to end on the fuck up that we have had with parenting. <laughs> and I feel like there are so many, but I guess one that really kind of is about like, I don't want to say work-life balance because we don't really believe in work-life balance, work-life integration, but like where you just really failed at doing that. Well, I feel like I've kind of been talking about mm-hmm. all my fuck up. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I think my answer is actually going to be, yeah, all the things that I've been saying, like yeah. Cece calling me out right. on my own shit. <laughs> but I'm going to take the note from Megan and say, I'm going to give myself grace mm-hmm. and I'm going to lean more into, you know, my child and her ability to be okay and survive mm-hmm. and just supporting that. Another one that I could just throw out there yeah. that I think everybody could probably relate to okay. is like, you know, summer days Ugh. or, you know, holidays or whenever there's no school and you do have work and you're like, okay, I'm going to, like you have Ada in there doing doing math right now. I'm so impressed. Like I'll give Cece little projects and work and then, you know, she ends up on the TV. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I'm too... I don't want to use the word lazy because I'm trying to get away from that now. But yeah, I'm just like, oh, fine. Like, I'll just let her. It's easy. It's just easier that way. But I always feel bad about that. (laughs) You don't feel bad about that. It happens. And sometimes, like, you have to protect your time. Yeah. And sometimes that means your kid has to watch TV. So you can protect your time. (laughs) That's okay. But we're taking the power back. We're taking the power back. That's right. I would say for me, the biggest one was the feeling that I had to be there all the time at work. So like, I think early on, especially with C&D, because as a planner, you're you're selling yourself. And I um, never, I'm such a people pleaser and like to the core, really, especially when it comes to like my clients specifically, I felt like I had to say yes to every whim and I had to show up at every moment. And there were things I didn't, I didn't have to. I could have said no to. I was like, that's not in my contract or that's out of my scope of work or whatever. And so, but what it did is it created this really unsustainable life where I missed everything. Yeah. Like just, I just missed so much. And and it was a lie and it was a really bone of contention with me and Sam. And I was like, but I have to be there. Like, I have to do it. It's my business. Like, you know, it's my client. Like I have to be there. And he's like, you don't have to be there. And I was like, you don't understand, you know, <laughs> but looking back, he was right. Yeah. I didn't have to be there. It is your time. business. So you don't yes. have to do anything you yes. don't want to do. Right. Yeah. So I think that was, and there was years of that, like years of just creating no boundaries that like I was able, I couldn't be successful in any capacity. Like I wasn't, a great parent. I wasn't a great partner. I wasn't a great planner. I wasn't a great business owner because I did not know how to create boundaries so I could be my whole self at these different places. I was just constantly torn all the time. I can so relate. Yeah. Maybe it is our age. Maybe. You know, you're 39, I'm 40. Yeah. <laughs> even even the social media conversation we were having with Megan, like I I felt a lot of that a few years back. I don't as much anymore and I don't feel the need to to be at every single event anymore. So maybe I'm on my way to yeah. being, being like Megan. <laughs> I, I know being like Megan, that should be like our hashtag, be like Megan. Be like- 
I think that is so true. And I do think there is some truth in it. I think when I, someone was saying something like you're 30, like 20s, you're just like trying to figure it out. 30s, you're coming into your own. And 40s, you just don't give a fuck about anything. Right. And I feel like that's really true. You're just kind of like, I am who I am and I'm not going to change. And I know I know more about myself and I know what's going to put me in that like deep, dark depression. I know it's going to make me be happy. Yep. And you start making decisions yeah. based on those things. And uh, before I turned 40, I I created a kind of like a goal for my 40s and for okay. this decade. And it really was all about that, like just enjoying life, being mm-hmm. present, all the things. But I will say it's not a magical switch. No. No matter what, <laughs> it is always a journey and it's it a constant, like you on... must remind yourself yes. of these things and practice. It's always yeah. going to be work. Um, but I think it does get a little bit easier. Yeah. We are become more wise as we age. <laughs> Hopefully, if we're doing something right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I love that episode. I thought Megan is amazing and such a badass in general. She sure is. I know. It was a pleasure to chat with her it and was. you. Oh, same. Thanks for being our honorary sister. Thank you for having me. It truly has been an honor. To learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CD Events, at the Bradford and C, at anthem.house, and at Hustle and Gather. And if you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website at hustleandgather.com. And to learn more about my hustle, visit us on Instagram at Heart of NC Weddings. Plus, our parent company, Triangle Media Partners, publishes lots of local community magazines and guides and has a digital agency. So to learn more about that, find us online at trianglemediapartners.com. And if you love us and you love this show, we'd be more than honored if you left a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of EarFluence. I'm Jenna. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk to you next time on Hustle and Gather. Hustle and Gather.